Hello, 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 ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to yet another episode of the Electric Head Podcast with me, Al Ronald, and my long-suffering comedy wife. Did you say suffering? Suffering. <laughs> my long-suffering, sure suffering <laughs> wife. Suff you. Suff you. I haven't said uh, your name yet. Was it? Uh, what's my name? Sai Hentai. Sai Suffing Hentai. Do you know that your surname is also um, Japanese? Me, of course I know. <laughs> okay, yes. check it. Uh, it's come up in many com- conversations. So she's things like when you go for a job interview and someone says, so how do you pronounce the last name? Hentai. And you see a little <laughs> glint in their eye as if you don't know what it is. Is there any, um, if anyone out there wants to create some Henti Hentai, I mean, I won't watch it, but I'm sure you'd be good. <laughs> I neither will I, to be fair. Uh, I'm sure you'd involve, be curious to take a look, right? Doesn't it involve octopuses? This is it what quite I've often involves tentacles. Yeah, right. Tentacles. I do like octopuses, but I'm, I'm not specifically sexually attracted to them. Uh, no. no. <laughs> Although anyway. they do have those nice little suckers. They could. Well, this has started off well. What have you been up to since we the last? <laughs> I'm having sex with octopuses. No, I just wanted to say, as you know, uh, Al, I've told you, I received this uh, Maximilian um, robot uh, through the post from someone who listens to the just podcast. Just for people listening, it's not actually a full-size Maximilian robot. It's a Funko. It's a real full-size <laughs> robot from the black hole. No, it's not. But whoever sent it... Uh, mysterious fan i don't know how you know where i live which is slightly worrying but thank you so much because this was the the robot toy i always wanted when i was a kid from the black hole feature film i went to see when i was a child so that's very kind of you to and that's uh, to because we did top five robots robots that's right so yes, next we week is top five sports cars top five uh mansion homes <laughs> yeah we're gonna go yeah. down Top five expensive whiskeys. <laughs> Let's go down the whole. Yeah, I mean, I've top five to Rolex stuff. watches. So That's good. it. I've been drinking uh, violin string cleaner in my oh, yeah. strip drinking sessions. It's got that bad these days. So uh, yeah, yeah. I've been I've been watching movies mostly. Have you watched any movies? I have. I've watched. I've watched a really weird movie called Baby, which is about. Uh, it's a horror film from the seventies about uh, about uh, an adult baby. <laughs> I, I, I recommend. Or was that a hentai? It was very. It's very strange and very dark, but it's 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 well worth a watch. I would say. I've uh, been watching uh, the Texas Chainsaw Maracas. Ah, uh, yeah, that's a that's a that's right, a, the, the dyslexic serial killer. And uh, Carry On Carry. <laughs> carry On Carry. That's another classic one. Yeah, yeah. Isn't, hasn't that got um, Sid... Uh, what's his name? He plays... He plays Sid the James. Role, Sid James plays the role of Carrie in that, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like... Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> yeah, that, uh-huh. it's when the, the blood falls on him at the end and he yeah. just uh, uses his psychic powers to destroy the rest of the Carry On cast. <laughs> Uh, it's terrifying. He's, he's using his psychic powers to rip the clothes off women. He leaves the underwear because it's not that racy. But you know, yeah, yeah, of course. But it's, Bar- it's Barbara Windsor, he, I remember he whips her bra off, but she just manages to get her hands over her nipples. At yeah, the last yeah, minute, yeah, As I yeah. recall, 
And then uh, Kenneth Williams burst into flames. I remember yeah. him running around screaming from his Ooh, nostrils. Matron, I'm dying. Oh. <laughs> it's scary stuff. It's a good movie. It's good. Uh, well worth the watch. Sid James, gonna... Catholic parents, and bullies drive him to telekinetic madness. <laughs> <laughs> Last week's I we looked into the mysterious world of Hans. Holzer. I'm holding up the Ghost Hunter book again. Oh, and always I find it really attractive with that that yeah. embossed green, emerald green writing. It's a spooky book. And uh, this, so Hans Holzer was a New York ghost hunter. And this book, there's a debate. Uh, I don't think it's a serious debate. I think it's a fact that this book uh, may actually have belonged to the man himself. So, well, I think it did. I think you're right, and I think you should continue to believe that. So if you want to know why we believe that, then check out the last podcast for information. So we're going to go through some cases. This is the case of the Riverside Ghost. So I'm going to be reading from the book. So it begins quite dramatically. Please help me. Help me find out what this is about. And uh, pleaded a stranger on the telephone. It's a good start, isn't it? Yeah, that is really good. I'm being attacked by a ghost. There you go. I mean, that's that's the best start. At to any the time, while well, they were on the telephone, and they didn't yeah. have mobile telephones back then, did they? No. So that so, must have had a long telephone lead to get down to the riverside. <laughs> so this is Hans Holzer talking in the book. The caller turned out to be a young jeweler, Edward Carolanian. That's a good name, Edward Carolanian of Paris, now living in an old apartment building on Riverside Drive. For the past two years, he had lived there with his mother. Occasionally, he would hear footsteps, footsteps where nobody could have walked. I don't know what that means exactly. Five or six times he would wake up in the middle of the night to find several strangers in his room. Maybe the footsteps were on the ceiling. Maybe. They seemed to him people in conversation and disappeared as he challenged them um, on fully awakening. So several people in his room five or six times. I don't know if that's five or six times a night or it happened five or six times. I'm not sure. So in one case... Edward saw a man coming towards him and he threw a pillow at the invader. To his horror, the pillow did not go through the ghostly form but slid off of it and fell to the floor as the spook vanished. Ooh, and was it covered in ectoplasm? Just that well, the man obviously wanted to attack him. There was murder in his eyes, says Edward, and Mr. Carolinian was frightened by it all. Although his mother could see nothing, he was able to describe the intruder as a man wearing a white uniform, much like a cook, with a hat like a cook, and his face was mean and cruel. Well, he was probably a cook. Sounds <laughs> like a chef, yeah, yeah. I mean, we had another... Uh, yeah, there was another paranormal chef, chef wasn't there? Who was um, squeezing some meat into a jug. <laughs> That's right, yeah. And throwing he... throwing butter in policemen's eyes and, you know... At least at least this guy wasn't squeezing his meat into a, into a jug with a murderous look in his eyes. <laughs> so we might get more answers to this one, though, because Hans Holzer then organises a seance. Uh, at the apartment in which uh, a teacher and three young ladies were also present. He just says <laughs> young ladies. Uh, and a medium called Ethel Myers was the medium, which is a medium that I think he used quite a lot. He seemed to trust her. Although she knew nothing of the case, Mrs. Myers immediately described a man and a woman arguing in the apartment and said there was constructural changes, which Mr. Carolanian confirmed. 
Someone is being strangled. The man goes away. Now a woman falls and her head is crushed. They want to hide something from the family. Ooh. So this, this, it could be this murderous chef. Maybe. Crushing people's skulls. He's trying to hide. Yeah. Uh, so Mrs. Myers then stated that someone had gone out through the 12th floor window after being strangled in 1910, which is very specific. Um, in a trance, Lizzie, the victim, took over the medium's voice and cried for help. Albert, Mrs. Myers' control, added that this was a maid who had been killed by a hired man on the wife's orders. Apparently, Wait a minute. Wait, well, hang on. Mrs. Myers' control. What does uh, that mean? So I guess it That's means... the person she contacts from the other side. Oh, yeah, I see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I get so it. I guess it's called a, 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 like whoever's in control of her. Yeah, at that time or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, so apparently the girl had had an affair with the husband who was called Henry and the murderer was a labourer working in a butcher's shop Ooh, now we've by, got the, by the name of Maggio. The family's name was Brady. After the seance, I investigated the data and found to my amazement that the 1812 city directory listed an A. Maggio poultry. Uh, so I guess he worked in poultry. In both Unless an- that was his second name. <laughs> Maggio poultry. Uh, and Anne Brady and Anne O'Grady. The first name was listed as living only one block away from the house. Mr. Carolanian found out that a young girl accused of stealing had killed herself by jumping from that very room. My word. So the facts were actually quite uh quite Apparently they were fairly accurate. I mean there's a lot to there's a lot of missing information in there. Hey, you might be listening to the paranormals in this book thinking, hang on, that doesn't entirely explain everything that was going on there. That's not just you. <laughs> well maybe, maybe Maggio Poultry also uh was in construction, hence the changing the of the construction of the house. I mean there's different things. Maybe. We could find out. <laughs> we don't know, but I mean, it's an interesting start. To ha- you can see that uh, as interesting as Han Holtz, Hans Holzer is, I mean, I'm not going to suggest that he investigates particularly deeply in this book. No, uh, what I, I do like about him is his, like about it. <laughs> is his propensity to start off his his tales with a really yeah, yeah. gripping. He's like, I, I I heard the scream. I'm being attacked. I'm on the telephone. <laughs> you know, that's. I mean, that really gets you gets you involved it in does, it, doesn't right? it? That's that's, that's cool. what you want in a good ghost story. So uh, certain... next week we're going to look into Hans Holzer's case of the haunted chair. Hey, it's Captain Westermacott. And it's me, Colonel Blubberhouse, his other head. I'm speaking in tongues. Yeah, he's still got two heads, but he's been talking in tongues. It's a new thing he's tried out. I think it might be his control. You want to do a little bit of whipping away, do you? Whip uh, away, lads. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Up, for, I'm up for a whip. Um, Would you like to whip away, Al? Do you know, Si, I think I need to get out. I think I need some fresh air. Yeah, I think that would do you good, actually. I think I might pop uh, off. Uh, I might whip away. Pop off and whip away. Oh, pop, pop off. I, it reminds me of... Um, oh, did you ever watch Rent-A-Ghost? There was a woman in that called Miss Pop-Off. Oh, she, I loved Rent-A-Ghost. Oh, I loved Rent-A-Ghost, too. Oh, Every time she sneezed, she used to disappear uh, and teleport somewhere else. Uh. You've got them talking about Rent-A-Ghost. This oh, is... They'll never yeah. stop. Just climb, uh, climb aboard the, the galley. So, oh, yeah, I'm going to get aboard now. So, uh... 
I think, Sai, you know how we were talking about Cole Porter the other day? Yes, I do. Yeah, I yeah. Off to 1920 and visit Cole Porter in Paris. Ooh, ooh, I would have. I've always wanted to go to the the, the kind of swinging twenties in Paris in those days. It must have been must have been crazy. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's drop, Captain. Uh, can we drop in on one of those parties? Ah, uh, yeah, sure, sure. Oh, sorry. Oh, wait a minute. I'm Colonel Captain. You you speak. Oh, of course, yes. That's no problem, Mister Ronald. Hop on, and you know the drill. It's time to. Whip away, whip away, with my hearties. Let's whip away. Ah, look. Right, Mr. Ronald, right down there, you can see that's Rue Monsieur, I believe they call it, down there in Paris. Ah. So uh, get yourself off and good luck. Ah, Thank you. Oh, that was a soft landing. That was actually quite nice. I can hear the, the accordions in the Parisian streets. Yeah, 1920s Paris. Oh, oh, bonjour, yeah. monsieur, bonjour. Uh, lots of stereotypes ah, walking around, as bonjour. usual. Why don't you come and join us at the little parties that we're having, eh? There's a very buxom, uh, attractive, large lady uh, beckoning me to a party. We're, we're going along here. There's a, there's a, there's a party going on at, uh, at this apartment down the road. That wouldn't be Cole Porter's apartment by any chance, would it? Um, it is Cole Porter's apartment. He has the best parties in Paris. Okay, let's do it. Let's let's go visit Cole Porter. So, we oui, come on, Monsieur. Come on, ha, take a swig of this bottle of wine. You'll enjoy it, huh? Come on, oh. have some absinthe. Come so on, come they're join just us. Dragging me up to this apartment in this amazing Parisian building, and I'm just going to open the door. And ah, oh, it's a bustling. This is quite the party. Listen to that music. Great music. Lots of fancy drinks floating around and. Ah, th- this guy approaching me looks very familiar. S- Excuse me, sir. Oh, oh, hello there. Hi there. What's oh? I haven't seen you at one of my parties before. What's your uh, What's your name? Oh, I love your hair. It's lovely. I grew it myself. I'm Al, and uh, yeah, I've been. I've heard lots about these famous parties of yours, Mr. Porter. It's, it's a pleasure to to experience one for myself. What's going on? Tell me about oh, it. Oh, it's it's wonderful. Have a look around. Come with me. Look, we've got some tightrope walkers over here. Um, ah! And oh. uh, with, yes, a lot of them are drunk, unfortunately. I've got gondolier footmen uh, over here, and I've got miniature gondoliers. You can see on their feet, tiny little oh. gondolas. Yes, and they float around. They, they're floating around in a little paddling pool that he yeah. set up inside the apartment, and they're sailing around on their gondolier shoes. And you'll notice that the little paddling pool itself is full of hot butterscotch. So do be careful, won't you? I yes, mean, uh, I don't think they. I mean, are you really even having a party if you don't have gondolier shoes floating on butterscotch? Uh, I don't think you are. And yet, what we'll be doing, we're going, to ra- we're going to race some guinea pigs in there later. These are my two little guinea pigs. Uh, oh, what are they called? This is Nutmeg here, and uh, this one's called Brian. Just Brian. Just Brian the guinea pig, uh, that's all. Oh, that's quite uh, sweet. Yeah, look, why don't you get in the mood? Here, pop this straw boater on, and yeah. why don't we go outside, get away from the bustling busyness of my my lovely party, and uh, we'll go out and we'll have some pims on the lawn. This set, uh, pims on the lawn? Yes. 
Do you want me to say that seems like a terrible waste of pims? I want you to say that that, that seems like a terrible waste of pims because I set that joke up. <laughs> Why don't you pop these lawn slippers on? Here, oh, wait a minute. Let me just take these out. I put some orange peel in them because I always find that that keeps your feet nice and fresh. That's nice. They're made of uh, a sort of astroturfy grass stuff as well. So it's like I'm one with the lawn. Would you like an aperitif? <laughs> do you want me to say that I've already got a pair of teeth? I do. I want you to say I've already got a fine <laughs> pair of teeth. I set that up for the joke, you see. Yeah, you're quite the jokester, aren't you, Cole? Oh, I really am. I just want to make you laugh, my little kitty cat. That's all. Come along now. Why don't you kitty come? Kitty and... Why don't you come and jump into my car? Come along. Come on. Here, let me just tickle the carburetor to get the old girl fired up a bit. That's it. Right. Jump into the back. I'm keen as mustard to take you on a little tour around Paris. Oh. Ooh. Hang on a minute. What's this? A luminous French tickler? I think Uh. somebody's been having a naughty old time in the back of the car by the looks of things. Actually, I don't want to alarm you, but they're still here. Oh, my goodness me. Oh, it's Crispin Tweedy. Oh, and is that a goat he's with? Yes, I think I've seen more of Crispin Tweedy than I ever wanted to see in the back of this car. Crispin, get out for God's sakes. I'm just taking this this lovely young man down to the Tingle Tangle Club. There's going to be champagne and butterscotch, isn't there? I'm absolutely sick of you forcing champagne and butterscotch on me, Cole Porter. I knew you would do this. There's champagne and butterscotch flowing through the streets of Paris in the 20s, didn't you realise? You're trying to drown Parisians in a mixture of champagne and butterscotch. You're an evil genius. Look and I here. won't stand for it. I'm going back to the future and I'm going to warn everyone. Look, before before you go, before you go, couldn't I just sing you one of my little tunesy woonsies? Do you have to call it a tunesy woonsy? Wouldn't you like to hear it? Yes, Come, I'd like. I'd like. It's to a little it. song about my terrapin that I okay, love yeah. dearly, and I'm just going to sing for you. As you'll see, this car can rearrange itself into a piano. Isn't it marvellous? So it's yeah. hard to drive whilst I'm playing. So let me play you the little song that I've written for my terrapin. And the, the engine time, noise kind of drowns out the tinkling keys a little bit. It'll be fine. Oh, oh, here we go around the corner. Oh, now, here we go. Careful there. Can you drive and sing? Well, you can't really blame me You're the most beautiful creature that I've ever seen I've ever seen You're perfectly formed and you're a lovely cherry Lovely cherry Okay! Oh, God! You all right there, Mr. Ronald? I'm sending down the rope ladder for you now! Can you, uh, can you get us back? Of course, ca- Captain! Whip away. away! Whip away! Or whip back! Whip back! Whip back! Whip back! There you we go, Mr. Funnel, back in the year 2020! Ah, it's time for a holiday in dystopia! You go back Don't to your old friend, Oh! Oh! God! God, you uh, look a bit worse for wear, mate! You look like a car wreck! I'm, I've been in a car wreck, and also my fingers are all stuck together with butterscotch. You do have a used French tickler, luminous French tickler, stuck to your bum, though. Do you want me to peel that off oh, for you? Yeah, thanks. Uh, okay. Do you want these gondola shoes? Hey, Cy, do you know what time it is? And I oh, say this with my teeth slightly gritted, but only slightly gritted. 
Uh, it is time for another installment of science. Ooh, yes, and I've got a little. I've got a little phrase for this now. I call it science turning magic into science. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, awful i know it's dreadful yeah. isn't it okay, okay so, so this this time i thought uh that i would i, I was looking because I've, I've been going down a i've noticed i've been going down a very biological route i love biology i, I really i uh, actually as you probably found out over the past few weeks you gotta but, just um, i think check yourself sometimes if you go too far down a biological hole you certainly do. That's something you want to pull out of quite quickly. Uh, but not necessarily. Ooh. <laughs> uh, now, so I, uh, yeah, I've got, I've got something exciting. So I decided I'd look at some interesting thing. I know we're both interested in these. Uh, one of the, I'm just going to go. I'm going to go deeper into this at another time. But time travel. I'm going to have a really brief look at time travel, um, and and uh, teleportation. Uh, uh, so more on a, a physics-based uh, kind of uh, kind of area this time. Yeah, I have been down a few. Uh, I've not quite emerged from this particular rabbit hole, so I'm just kind of going to gloss over the gloss over it a little bit. But interestingly, well, I'll do time travel first. Did you know? Well, you probably did know this that we can actually see the past. So when you look for a powerful telescope, you can look a hundred million years into the past. When you look at the stars, you're looking back in time. Or, a, on a, or if you watch a film or look at a photograph. Yeah, but those are recordings. This is this is actual. This is actually looking back into the past, which is I, I think it, though, be. or are you seeing a recording? No, no, it's not. All right. No, you're seeing. No, you are. You're seeing light uh, from the beginning of the universe raining down on the Earth, basically, in a ceaseless well, topics. film. If you watch a film of something, then that's just light as well. So it's not that dissimilar. Oh, okay. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. Mm. Yeah, I suppose it is light that's been uh, recorded. Distributed a different way. Distributed differently. Quite interesting. Yeah, so in a way you are. Yeah, and I suppose if you are in a film or if you are on film, there is a certain sense of immortality to that, isn't there? I used to have a book that somebody gave me, this is true, called Practical Time Travel, right? And I actually had it in my hands. But the problem is I can't remember how I got it, who gave it to me, and I also can't remember where it went. I can't find it anywhere. But Are you I definitely... suggesting that perhaps a future you or a future me or a future someone has oh. returned in time to give you the book well, this and is then what... yeah. once maybe for reasons yet unknown has taken it away again this is what i think uh, somebody whoever i gave the book to yourself yeah maybe has traveled to the past given the book to my younger self knowing that i would then give it to them in the future okay and so there's a there's a paradox who wrote the book you how how was it printed you no, it, it spontaneously materialized this book that's that's a paradox of these these kind of objects that are, because you can have a closed time loop uh, but maybe I did write it. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. I have the copious notes that I wrote from the book. Maybe the book never existed. Maybe I haven't written it yet. Oh, my God. You, is, you, you're is, right. You brought the book back to yourself to make the notes in order to write the book. Maybe I've got to write it. I haven't written it yet. Write God. it now, quick. I better, well, I have got some passages from it, so I'm gonna have, we're going to have a look at those. But it doesn't exist. But, yeah. 
It does <laughs> exist. It, it will exist. You have passages from it. If it... But, uh, I'm freaking yeah, but... out. I'm freaking out. Oh, my God. My God. <laughs> okay, so uh, this is what it, this is the passages I have from it are this, right? And I have You'll see here, like, this is a typewritten page written on my old typewriter that I think I wrote from the book. But now we, this is very confusing. So this is one passage which you'll recognise, which I love from it. So this is really about spatial and time projection, okay? And what it says in the book that I will be writing but haven't yet written that doesn't exist yet, uh, but will spontaneously exist at some point. Re so let me just relax. Yeah, yeah. I have one question that I'd just yeah. like to ask before we go on. Can you remember what the cover looked like? Yeah, I can distinctly. Yeah, it was a blue. It's a blue cover. It was a very thin book, almost a pamphlet, and it just said. Uh, <laughs> that that sounds like maybe you didn't write it. <laughs> <laughs> and it just said practical time travel on the cover. Um, but yeah, it's what they would call a macroscopic gin, which is something that that. Uh, because it says in, in quantum physics, you knew I was going to mention quantum physics. Yeah. If there's enough energy, an object can spontaneously appear inside a, t a closed time loop. Yeah, that is true. Even though no particles have circular world lines, that's true. But let me just relax. Close your eyes. Yeah, yeah. I'm, we're going to try and travel in time now. And so okay. I hope are the listening audience. Okay, so first of all, you have to keep this in mind, first of all. You must realize one simple truth. There is no time. Time is an illusion. So you recognize this. There is only now. The impression, you can speak with me because you should know this. The impression you have that time is passing, time is, passing. is merely due to physical patterns imprinted physical in our brains. Imprinted in our brains. The universe is instantaneous. It is like a flower, a timeless. From a single point. There you go. Isn't that amazing? So if I wrote this book, I wrote this. So now this is what you have to do, okay, to travel in time. You, this is astral projection, Must okay? Back in time. Must travel. The time. Choose a flat, well-elevated position away from people and interruption. Sorry, I was still in a trance there. I'm back. Okay. Make your way up to the roof. Okay. Oh, you, you, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, now. In so my mind. Just, yeah, no, really. Come oh, on. Oh, okay. Yeah, All yeah. right. See you in a bit. Okay. Bye. Lie down flat on your back. Yeah. Are you there? Okay. Yeah. Head unsupported. Now hang gaze. On. Hang on, my head. Okay, it's unsupported. Okay. Is it a quiet, starlit, moonless night out there? Yeah. Good. Okay. Now gaze hang up. On. Yeah. yeah. I just had to check for the moon. Gaze up at the sky, so you yeah. see nothing but its limitless expanse directly above your eyes. Directly above yeah. my eyes. Now start start thinking time. how how far away the stars are. They're quite far. Yeah, look at the stars. Did you ever realise that the nearest is two hundred and fifty thousand times further away than the sun? Yes. Now I want you to say aloud. If aloud. I start, if I start no, <laughs> if I started falling off the earth. If I started this, falling off the earth. At this instant. Instant. I should go on and on, up and up. I should go on and on and up. Hang on, the neighbours. I'm just doing a podcast. Now, in spirit. Hang on, hang on. No. Yeah, it's just, a, don't worry. I'm, I'm just doing a podcast on the roof. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Sorry, the neighbours were complaining. 
Now in spirit, I begin to rise from the earth. Repeat. Now in spirit, I begin... Yeah, I'm just doing a podcast. And blend with the stars. I'm not going to jump. The police are here now. Oh, God, quick, come, come, come in, come down, come down. They're telling me not to jump, but I think I might. Don't, don't jump, come down. Look, I've not finished science yet. So, you'll so you'll so miss out. Small. You're going to miss out, Al. You're going to miss okay. out. I haven't even got to telepathy. Uh, teleportation, not telepathy. Yeah, come on, come on. Right, so. Okay, okay I'm back, Sai. That, that was, was, that was I think I might, I might have to talk to the neighbours and the police now. Oh, dear. I don't know how I'm going to explain Sorry. this. Maybe that my friend's a time traveller and he wrote a book that he yeah. sent back to himself. Maybe that will do it. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that will do it. Uh, interesting, though. Time travel, this is true. The laws of physics actually encourage teleportation and time travel. Okay, time travel They're is big possible. Su- big supporters of it, I find. Yeah. Like, go it, on. Go it on, they say. demonstrated. And Einstein showed, as you know, that time can be stretched and squeezed. As we know, when we whip away... It's not uh, Ollie's shoulders that could be stretched and squeezed, though, was it? Right, yeah, but those uh, those uh, old videos of him are, are, are on the black market. But, <laughs> but those old videos are essentially time travel. Oh, look at that. Okay, so can I, can I just briefly go, go to teleportation? <laughs> I'd say that you could brief i would allow you to briefly go through teleportation yeah. but when you say can i briefly go through teleportation the okay, obvious I'm, I'm answer going to teleportation is no. now okay right teleportation okay now have we finished time travel now yeah that was just i was just i was just glossing over time travel i'm going to go deeper on that another time <laughs> should we go to teleportation next week okay we can go to teleportation next uh, week i tell you what we'll do right now you can both time travel and teleport to next week's show to do this segment yes why don't i do that okay so so go for it okay i am i know i'm not actually going to teleport because that's what ladies and gentlemen in the middle of saying that Sai vanished he's no longer with me um so i may hopefully i'll maybe see him next week but uh yeah the uh if anyone can find this pamphlet this book that he was talking about, um, do send it in, especially if it says Cy Henty, but I imagine he'd use a you know, a pen name. But yeah, so hopefully we'll see Cy next week for more Cy Ends. Well, Cy. Well. Guess, guess what is on the horizon of your ears once again? I'm very excited because I must admit that actually when I was listening back to the uh, last time we, we played this, uh, Magical Candy actually had me crying with laughter, mainly because it was so insane. But just picturing your face at the time singing the song. <laughs> and it's all down here from here. And me Let's doing the backing vocals and I'm like, <laughs> Magical Candy! Yeah, and there's more, uh, I don't know if it will be in this segment but we still have the Bugsy Malone parody to come so buckle up (laughs) oh yeah Professor Todd's magical candy the Cthulhu parody that Cy wrote and I didn't check his work and this was the (laughs) results what's that noise it is the jingle jangling of manacles your nipples jingle jangle not my nipples manacles Iron bracelets used for restraint. What happened to the old ball and chain? Mrs. Todd is thankfully out for the night. I'm afraid she's been at the catnip, and I spent half the afternoon trying to disentangle her forepaw from my beard. Your wife? 
is a cat. You sound surprised, Mr. Chu. Well, I've heard of cat fanciers, but... Tabitha is the last living descendant of the sacred cats of ancient Egypt. An incarnation of the goddess of love and fertility. I see. At sunrise, she undergoes sexual transmogrification and has the body of a young woman. But thankfully, she retains the head of a domesticated cat. Thankfully. Have you ever kissed a cat, Mr. Chu? No, sir, I have not. Imagine feeling that sharp, spiny tongue in your mouth, combined, of course, with the natural deodorant in their saliva. I dreamt we would spawn a race of sphinxes. I even wove this toupee from hairballs, Tabitha regurgitated, in the hope she would accept me as a mate. But alas, I suspect she is having an affair with the ginger tom from next door. But one... I lavish gifts upon her, balls of string, saucers of milk, even a new scratching post. I clean out her little tray morning and night, but apart from the occasional kneading of my lap, this is how she repays me. But enough. Men's troubles are transient when one considers that the elder gods have lain awake in the dark for uncounted millions of years. All right, Sai, you can see what I'm holding. Time for another yes. edition of Dream Speak. It, it's time for it's a dream because we've got this jingle now, haven't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah, so, that's very popular. So, Al Ronald's dream speak whenever he's dreaming. His girlfriend writes it down in a book. That's dream. the best intro. No, don't care. You, you've nailed it. Yeah. Sorry. Okay, and it, what I like about that jingle is that it informs you of everything you need to know about this segment. Indeed it does. So, <laughs> in my sleep, I don't have a date for this one. You ready for this? Yes. I said, in my sleep, all right, I get it. You don't like it. And my girlfriend said... <laughs> Do you know what? You, you, when you are dream speaking, you're a real grumpy bastard, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. You're my true self. Debbie, you're always like, well, don't you understand? Oh, you don't get it, do you? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's frustrating, though. It's just the frustration of, like, you know, you dream... Anyway. Uh, oh, right, I get it. You don't like it. She goes, what? What don't I like? <laughs> and I said, Kubrick's Lolita. <laughs> and she, then I said... We should leave. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm sure that you were you were at a film premiere for Kubrick's Lolita, which is a bit of a pot boiler, to be fair. Mm. Um, there you go. Okay, uh, <laughs> this one is from October 2011. The way Keith Richards was drumming, they had to eventually pull him out of the ground to get him to stop. And she said, "Did Keith Richards drum himself into the ground?" And I replied. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, because he's not, he's not a drummer, is he? But you can imagine that if Keith Richards was a drummer, he would drum himself into the ground. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. Or is it a reference to the fact that he seems to go on forever? That he's... I imagine he was just maybe playing the drums on some soft earth. Right, yeah. And, and he, he was playing them quite, quite passionately, and he just started to sink, and they had to haul them back out again, maybe. I don't know. 
Yeah, almost as if he was kind of bludgeoning himself into the soil with a with a spade. Yeah. <laughs> this one uh, has yet another pop culture reference. There's a lot of pop culture references in my dreams. I don't know if you've noticed that or not. So I far, have, yeah, I have. So yeah, you've had Lolita, you've had the film Lolita. Now you've got Keith, Keith Richards. Richards. You know who yeah. I was thinking of was uh, I, I for some, some reason I instantly thought of Keith Harris, who was the ventriloquist who used to have Orville the Duck. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I I just pictured him for some reason instead of Keith Richards. Uh, maybe they, it'd be good if they swap places. So, speaking of pop culture references, this one, that I'm going to read another one from the book, but it just reminded me of a dream speak that I did before um, they were being written down. Because um, I used to stay in the, uh, when I was living with a flatmate and uh, we'd had a few drinks and I was asleep on the sofa and his bed was in the same room. So he's asleep in his bed and I'm on the sofa and I'd, I'd had a few drinks and I, I scared him by doing a three-tiered scream so it kind of went do a three so it went like it was something oh, like this and i did, i was completely unaware of this but he told me what the hell happened to you in the night because what i did is i went ah 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 <laughs> that is a and then i just street. went doom bots doom bots everywhere and of course we all know that doom bots are the henchmen created and controlled by dr doom back to the book I said, if someone could do it for me, that would be great. And she said, do what? Ready for this. And I replied, (laughs) at the end of Back to the Future, slice a banana and then throw it through to another time. And she (laughs) says, why? Silence. I don't reply. I go back to sleep. (laughs) So that that well, goes it makes back sense to your because science, yeah, oh, in it? that case, yeah, that's that's that links in because that means that the uh, the banana is a ma- macroscopic gin. It's caught in a time loop, <laughs> so that it spontaneously appeared, and then it's been sliced up. But it would be handy because if you had a bowl of custard waiting at the other side of the wormhole, whatever the portal, and the sliced banana just landed in it, you could you could eat the banana in the in the custard, which I would tell be lovely. You- what I've discovered one flaw in this, though, thinking about it, is that um, I'm talking specifically about Back to the Future, and I don't know if you've seen Back to the Future, but there's uh, no... of course have I seen uh, Back to the yeah, Future? Yeah, but there's no time portals involved. No, no, they use the uh, DeLorean, don't they? So I've very much got the, you know, the the lore of Back to the Future about as wrong as you could get, actually. In fact, if it was time portals in Back to the Future, it would have been so much simpler for marty to just get back yeah but it wouldn't be it been exciting as the delorean to be honest with it with it with with the you know the trails of fire if you were heading towards all over the lore of back to the future then you would have to slice a banana in the back of the delorean and drive it at 88 miles per hour etc you know you would yeah i'm glad that you you've really worked out the science of uh the banana slicing uh, delorean uh kind of thing I can work out. You're trying banana. to fight to take over science, aren't you? I, I can, can see what you're take doing over here. The science of time travel in my sleep. Zai, <laughs> <laughs> got any headache dotes this week? I do. I do have a headache dote, which is a true story. I did actually have a secret identity. Um, 
and it's the closest I've ever got to being some kind of superhero. It was in a call centre for British Gas Home Energy, British Gas Transco. And back in those days, believe it or not, this was back in the 90s, I'm showing my age, uh, they'd have, (laughs) which is a bit crazy, if they had a gas emergency... Uh, or even some gas jobs, somebody's boiler's gone faulty, they would fax it between offices. Wow. I know. How crazy is that? You could have sent a telegram. Yeah, so I became, I was employed as, I went along for this job interview, I was employed as the fax man. So I would be the lone fax man. I would be there at night. And some people in some of the other um, offices uh, would be sending through faxes late at night, and I would be there. And so uh, one night I was there and I thought, well, no one knows. This is really dull and boring. They must be really bored in the other offices. Somebody said, did you did you get the faxes? And I sent back a message and it says, all 12, the fax man never slacks. <laughs> and, then, and then somebody sent something back saying, Who, who's this? And then I sent one back that says, and then there was one, the fax man with no name. Still faxing fax backs and filing stacks and stacks of faxes. Never does the late night fax man turn his back or relax. Beware of a sunset fax attack. The fax <laughs> man with no name. And then, I mean, this must have been vaguely terrifying for the people at the other end, right? Then this girl, then this girl uh, who I, I mean, Batman's origin story is that he selected something that an image that invoked fear into people. So I guess you did the same, sort of. She sent back this message that says, who the hell are you, you insane being? Well, of course, <laughs> I, didn't need, I didn't need much more encouragement. So the next fax that I sent through says, the fax man never leaves his tracks. His mask is stone and has no cracks. Just who he is, your guess, perhaps. But fax man's guys, it will not lapse. His cape, it flaps. His pen, it wraps. You'll find the fax man never slacks. <laughs> Can you and just then... hold that? So I want to see this one. I'll try and describe it. It's it's scrawled. It's like the if you were to receive this in the middle of the night, <laughs> uh, I don't think you would be. It's like receiving. It's a Batman supervillain. You say superhero, but it's also slightly supervillainous at this stage. But you know, then the, you know what I did then was. <laughs> I took the fax headers because, as you say, it was pretty scrappy. I took the fax headers that British Gas Trading Limited actually uh, provided for us, and I made my own header. So as you it can says see, here, I'll just read this. It says British Gas Trading Limited in proper font, and then scrolled like the the lettering of a child's comic. <laughs> proudly presents Chronicles of the Fax Man in block letters. So then I began to do, then I began to, uh, so I had all sorts. There's one here, which is all decorated and stuff. Oh but it my says, God. Uh, it says, <laughs> Ali, Lucy, tell me, are you there? The fax, the, the fax man's back with thoughts to share. And I've put, fax man invites you all to take part in the world's first interactive fax reality novel. Oh <laughs> so then I started faxing them poems. And I got a great response. So this one I've got here in my hand was the original fax. This is part three, um, but it says, Dreams of the Fax Man. Oh, if you could glimpse the scenes, the paper shuffler idly dreams. His fluttering paper dove-like wings that soar amidst the fax machines. His mind aglow with fax man dreams. 
there's more to fax man than there seems and then underneath somebody's faxed it back and it says we want part two see if it's lurking around anywhere because like uh, they they so i got all this feedback from them uh, I did do weird pictures as well. <laughs> <laughs> He's holding a picture of a man with a hugely inflated head. Uh, then after, oh, I'll get into that. I'll go into this bit quickly. How many people were these faxes going out to, would you say? Did you do like yeah, a math? So, yeah, so this is the thing. So I've got the, the actual station names. And on my fax machines, right, so no one could take my job, I changed the names the station names, uh, which are the quick ones, you just press a button and it dials up. And I changed the station names on the facts to there's one here called Enjoy Mania, another's called Armageddon, another one is called God is Dead, Self Destruct, Drop the Bomb, and Fax Man Cometh. So no one else could operate the fax machines apart from me. <laughs> so, how many people do you think these faxes were going out to? Yeah, probably hundreds. Yeah, to be fair. So there could be people out there listening, potentially, that now know. Potent- it's unlikely, but potentially you've now revealed your identity. I've revealed my true identity. Yeah, this is true. If anyone this received is- mysterious faxes back in the 90s, uh, where were you working? I was at British Gas Transco in Essex. If anyone worked for British Gas in the 90s that hears this podcast and got mysterious drawings... Well, that and, would be exciting to and me. the uh, ramblings of a madman, uh, <laughs> then get in touch. I did, I did have an assistant who I used to call Tonto. He was a guy who occasionally used to take <laughs> over uh, from... But he left. In Isn't fact... That's the best I, name you could come up with. Yeah. In fact, I met him... Uh, where is the Tonto one? Because I've got a poem about him. I was sad when he left. I actually liked him. He was a young lad and he went off travelling around the world. And I, I was really kind of... Um, it's kind of attached to him, but I met him years later, and I could just see he was kind of edging away from me. No wonder, <laughs> no wonder he, no wonder he left. I think he was, I think he was utterly scared, and I did this poem for him that I, that I, that I gave to him when he left, and it was called. It's here. It's called a tear for Tonto, <laughs> <laughs> and it went, it went how, how does lone faxman stem the tide of faxes faxed from far and wide without a partner by his side? Would not by now his brain be fried? Fried fax brain. How? Who? Who counts the faxes when he's gone? Who stops it? Who, who is it stops it going wrong? Who stays up faxing all night long? Who chants a magic faxing song? Who? Tonto. His, feathers he- his feathered head he holds with pride. He's always by lone Faxman's side. Their friendship you could never test. His teepee pitched by Faxman's desk. <laughs> I mean, it's... And it goes on. But then it says uh, at the end, but I now... Mean, it, there's a few stereotypes at work here, but it was the yeah, 90s. But then I say, this is so sad, because I say... Uh, because he's leaving to go travelling, this young lad. He's a lovely, lovely lad, actually. It says, uh, let me just read the last two verses, because it says, When Faxman feels he just can't win, the whitewashed walls are closing in. Who brings the pipe of peace to him? It's Tonto, making medicine. Oh, Tonto. Oh, Tonto. But now lone Faxman sheds a tear, for Tonto has to disappear. The white coat <laughs> tribe he does not fear, but Tonto's head he has to clear. Bye, Tonto. Uh, I mean, it's sad, isn't it? Well, um, poor old Tonto. <laughs> you sent this. You gave this to Tonto. I sent it out, and I and I also gave it to him as a little 
parting gift. Yeah. What was his I reaction? Think I'm, yeah, he always looked like slightly confused and worried. <laughs> he just he just took a job in the facts department of British Gas. And just... No, what happened was he worked on the telephone bureau, but occasionally, very occasionally, uh, when people started turning off their uh, turning on their gas boilers in the winter, we would have a mass of faxes come in. There were too many even for the fax man to handle. So they, they would get this poor young lad and they would send him over to me. Uh, to be honest, I was pretty young in those days. I mean, I was in my 20s. Uh, How old was Tonto? Tonto must have been about 18, I think. And I must have been about 25, 26. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, they'd say, you're going to have to go and help out with the faxes. His name was James. They'd say to him, you're going to go and have to help out with the faxes, James. And you'd see this this scared look on his face. <laughs> As they sent him over. And I'd be so pleased to see him. Because I, I was, just... did see him when he returned years later, when I was in my 30s. I bumped into him in a pub. <laughs> he did not look pleased to see me. He really didn't. Uh, amazing let me i do have one can i finish with one poem you can edit it Go out for it uh, i'm gonna say now and we're gonna finish on this poem so i'm gonna say thank you for listening to the podcast follow us on the electric head on facebook and electric head comedy on instagram every monday new podcast and we've got lots of other cool stuff going on Sai, would you like to close out this podcast with another poem I would. Now, this is a link up. I didn't really eat much back in those days. In fact, I was very skeletally thin. And uh, and I uh, the one thing I did used to eat was they had this vending machine and all it had in it was flapjacks. Uh, so I think it was a combination of the two. This one is called Faxman's Magic Flapjack. Ex- excerpts from the Confessions of a Flapjack Junkie. It says... <laughs> Faxman's paper shuffling life, he punctuates with just one slice. Expensive, but it's worth the price. I'll tell you, man, they taste so nice. Just one more slice, just one more slice. They're taking over Faxman's life. It's not just one, it's once or twice. He's always on that one last slice. Oh, Christ, oh, no, it's Faxman's curse. His craving sinks from bad to worse. He's emptied out his Faxman's purse. He just can't stop. He's got to munch. It's flapjacks, breakfast, dinner, lunch. Addicted to that oaty taste. With what are all these flapjacks laced? With what these porridge oats encased? Some golden brown narcotic paste? Is this to be poor Faxman's end? A baked oat cake is only friend. <laughs> <laughs>